Welcome to Sacrifice to Success Podcast. My name is David Weaver, and I am the owner of The Forgotten Heart Project. My mission is to help others create freedom in every aspect of their life. In this season of the podcast, we are talking life, business, and what makes you feel alive. We are speaking with business owners and entrepreneurs from all over, hearing about the sacrifices, the learnings, the twists, the turns, the ups and downs, and the successes that they have had in life and business. These are their stories. All right. Welcome, everybody, back for another episode. Today, I am excited to have our guest, Matt Bullock. Welcome, Matt. David, thank you for having me on your podcast. Absolutely. So tell us where you're from, a little bit about yourself and what your company is. Perfect. Uh, My company is Tentcraft. We manufacture uh, pre-pandemic outdoor advertising supplies. We do a lot of large format digital printing. So we have big four-color process printers. And one of our primary products would be tents with companies' logos on it. And these are little tents, big tents, but uh, primarily tents that are used at, uh, at, at local or nationwide events. So if you think about you know, the Seattle Marathon, maybe Poland Spring wants to be a sponsor of that marathon, and maybe they have a big hospitality area that they want their branding on, and, and maybe they want uh, every mile a water station that's, that's a Poland Spring uh, tent. We do a lot of those for big brands and then also for advertising agencies and then some associated uh, other stuff like flags and table covers and custom graphics um, that, that go with the tents. Uh, once the pandemic hit, it was almost a 100% shift to doing medical um, just because uh, events went to zero almost overnight. Um, mm. I had been watching the pandemic kind of with, with interest and then what uh, w- was relatively early to say, you know what, um, events aren't going to happen, you know, discretionary fun events. So we need 100% focus on medical. And so we, we frankly had our two busiest years, um, 2020 and 2021 with just this massive shift, uh, outdoors with two of the biggest segments of the economy, which were healthcare and education. So, um, Mm. so we've been doing a lot of medical, uh, now in 2022, um, medical was still happening for us in Q1. That seems to have really slowed down. Events are kind of coming back. So I, I, I think mm-hmm. we're, you know, I think we might have a little bit of a weird year, but um, I feel okay because we kind of had these two massive years um, that allowed us to maybe, you know, put, put, put some money away and have a little bit of a war chest. Nice. Okay. And uh, married, kids, family, what? Yeah. Tell us a little uh, bit about you. I know. I, 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 I just <laughs> talked about the business. Um, so I am married. Um, originally from the East Coast, although uh, my dad is on the West Coast now. Uh, met my wife here when I moved to Traverse City to start the company, and uh, we have a nine-year-old daughter, and a seven-year-old son, and a four-year-old son. So Reagan is nine, Charles is seven, and Teddy Tropical Tropical Storm Teddy is four. <laughs> awesome. Okay, my girls are nine and six, so pretty I, close. I saw, I, I read, read that about you. So that, that's cool. It is close. Nice. Where does your dad live on the West coast? So he is in Newport beach. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So, um, you started the company, is that correct? Started, started the company with a partner. Okay. And how long ago was that? 15 years. So okay. I, uh, I, I 
was an East Coast guy, bounced around to a few schools on the East Coast, um, ultimately en enlisted in the Army National Guard after September 11th, which is relevant because I doubt I would have left a Wall Street job, which is what I was doing to start a company if I had all the college debt that everyone else that I knew had. Mm. So uh, had always been interested in the military, was proud to serve, was also really happy to, to, to get out. But the educational benefits of the military you know, have and for a really long time have just been phenomenal. So my, my college was 100% paid for. Um, got, got the Wall Street job, hated it. And uh, <laughs> the, the, the stepfather of one of my friends from undergrad, and then we got to be really good friends um, because we, we both worked at the same bank uh, called Credit Suisse. It's a Swiss investment bank. Um, his stepfather is a gentleman named Paul Britton that started a large format digital print company in college. And there are about 200 employees. We're about 90. And uh, Paul is this kind of wild man entrepreneur that's really dynamic and engaging and fun. And he would always come to New York uh, and he would invite Justin, which is my friend's name, um, out for dinner and drinks. And he'd always invite, you know, bring your buddies or, you know, bring these guys. And Paul would always pay for everything. And he was a lot of fun. And one night over 14 beers, he said, how do you like Wall Street? I said, I freaking hate it. Like I <laughs> work with a bunch of jerks. My apartment stinks. I don't see myself in New York long-term and I'm just, I'm, I'm working all the time and it sucks. And uh, Paul uh, called me a few weeks later. He said, well, what do you really want to do? And I said, I, I would love to do something entrepreneurial. And I, I had had some ideas, uh, things like franchising a restaurant or going back to school to maybe try to get a PhD um, and, and, and uh, or doing some consulting. And uh, Paul basically said, listen, there's a great product. Um, it's a tent system. It's manufactured in Europe uh, and it can be printed and it's much higher quality than anything on the market in the US. But um, it's been a page of my catalog for three years. I've hired two other people that didn't work out. And at this point, my VP of sales says tents are a waste of time. My VP of manufacturing says tents are a distraction. Tents are non-core. Um, and so they don't want to do it. Um, I still want to do it. And I have all this inventory. So why, why, don't, you, uh, why don't you start this company? Um, I'll bankroll it and we can do the printing. So, mm. so that was 2007. So I, I moved to a small town in Northern Michigan in 2007 uh, from Manhattan <laughs> with no Michigan connections, uh, single. And it was just this, uh, this brutal awakening. Um, yeah. <laughs> but here, here I am 15 years later. Nice. That's so cool. Yeah, man, I, that's like a really big transition. Um, but also such a cool opportunity, first of all, to have somebody ask you like, hey, what do you actually really want to do? And then to have an opportunity to say, hey, do you want to do this? Did you? Yeah, it, 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 it really was. And, and the other thing that was going through my mind is that I, I knew I hated my, my Wall Street job. And so I figured that this opportunity was um, the, the opportunity to take a chance where my downside was very limited because at that point it wasn't any of my money. Um, and I, so I had the upside of an entrepreneurial venture without the downside of really putting my own money into it. And if it, if it hadn't gone well, um, I, I figured I had three plans and I kind of, you know, spent time laying out the pros and the cons, but, uh, th this was before the, the, I guess, financial crash of 2007, 2008, 
um, where I said, you know what, if things don't go well, I'll just go back to New York and get another job. Like, I don't think I want to do banking, but there are tons of jobs in New York City. Um, or I thought I could go to business school because at that point, you know, I was on active guard with or active duty with the military. And then I would have had two years of banking and maybe two years of a startup and said, well, I'll just get my MBA. Um, or I had some friends that were, were teaching English uh, in Korea and they were just having a blast and traveling every weekend. And um, you don't make a lot of money, but I guess your housing and your meals are paid for. And I said, you know what, like maybe I'll just go and be an English teacher in, in, in Asia for a few years. So um, but uh, but but then the company uh, company started to grow, and I really did fall in love with with manufacturing. I really do like making stuff, and so I stayed. That's so cool. Yeah, and so okay, so it's really interesting because you basically you've kind of been through two major events um, in the downturn of two thousand seven two thousand eight, basically starting this thing. Mm-hmm. So, do you think? I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, I th- believe we started our first company around the same time too. And I, th- I actually thought of it as kind of an advantage because, okay, we're not in this crazy, like booming time and we're figuring out how to make it work from this, this point. So what about for you? Did you feel like it was a, a hard time to start or it, w- it didn't matter? You know, we, we were a pure startup and, and I, I just didn't know what I didn't know, you know, that, that, you know, when, 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 when you're so small, you know, you, you can double revenue and in aggregate, the numbers really aren't that big, but you know, if you go from 400 K of revenue to 800 K that's 100% growth, even though, um, you know, that the, the numbers aren't nearly as big as, um, you know, larger, well-established companies. Sure. So, um, you know, the, the first few years were very high growth, but, but I think it spoke to, the fact that that the market really wanted the the product that we were selling, mm-hmm. uh, in that with with these custom tents uh, and, and kind of our early sales pitch and maybe to a lesser extent now is, is this idea of you know why would you ever put two thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars of custom printing on a one hundred dollar tent that you can buy at Costco or buy at Sam's Club and the first mm-hmm. time the wind blows it's going to turn inside out it's going to make your brand look like crap and so. Um, you know, early on, I, th- I think we really benefited from just some some really good product market fit. That that advertising agencies wanted something higher quality, premium brands. You know, BMW didn't want crappy tents. You know, for whatever local event they were sponsoring, and uh, and and the competitors just weren't focusing at all on on a higher quality product. So, um, in in some cases, I I think the the stars kind of aligned for us, despite. The financial crisis and all this this devastation that was happening around us. Cool, yeah. So that's a similar experience to what I had then. It was basically like the market wants this. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world to some degree with with something that people actually want. That's really cool. Yeah. What, what, one thing that that did affect me. Um, I, I actually later went back for my MBA, um, and, and uh, I got into Stanford, which was my dream school, and. Um, one of the iconic like Stanford MBA questions, I, I think it's the question is they say, what matters most to you and why? So what matters most to you and why? And uh, I wrote my essay about being proud that my little company was a source of opportunity and inspiration for our local uh, for our, lo- our local community. And, and at that point, you know unemployment was kind of high. Um, w- when that first 
crisis happened, um, I, I was just a volunteer coach at the local high school. And there, there were kids that, uh, you know, in the middle of the school year, maybe they were juniors or they were seniors and they had their friends and they had a girlfriend and they were on the, the wrestling team and the track team. But, you know, their, their dad got laid off. Uh, dad or mom, and they moved to Tennessee because that's where the jobs were, or they moved to mm. South Carolina or Atlanta. And so um, I, I have been proud and I remain proud that we are an employer in a small community that 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 does need year-round jobs that that aren't dependent on kind of the tourism economy. Um, and and now I'm really proud of, of, of our culture in that, you know, we, we kind of have try to have more of a, a, a West coast or Silicon Valley kind of cool and fun culture that, uh, that, that you don't really find in a quote unquote, like traditional manufacturing company. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So you, you've obviously, you've gone from one or two, can't your partner to 90 people now. Is that right? Yep. We're, we're right around 90. I, I think, I think we're probably mid eighties full-time uh, and then in the summer, traditionally, this is when we're the busiest and it coincides when, when we get all kind of the high school kids for their summer jobs and then, um, college interns. So, you know, we, we're, we're back in kind of a growth phase because we have some new initiatives going, but, um, you know, we're, you could call it 80 ish full-time and then, you know, they're 15 to 20, um, part-time and seasonals. Nice. Okay. So obviously that's, that's very cool. First of all, um, all those people that you're employing and they're providing for their families, like you mentioned before, something that you're most Thank proud you. of, like that's incredible. Um, but so I'm sure there must've been some bumps and <laughs> curves and detours along the way. So I'd love to hear a challenge that you went through and then the lesson that you took from that. Yeah. You know, the, the, the challenges, uh, the the most difficult challenge that that I, I think any business owner ha has to to deal with are, are just dealing with people whose lives change, whose goals may be different than yours. Who, um, and, and I had heard the, the cliche that you know maybe the people that get you from one million to to five million in revenue might not be the same people that get you from from five million to ten million or from ten million to twenty million, and and I I, I definitely found that to be the case a number of times, and it mm -hmm. um you know and and and, and some sometimes you know when 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 someone started with this and they were young and single um and they they want to be a salesperson they want to be on the road all the time and then that that's what the company needed but then they get married and then they have kids or they have um, other things that become more important to them and, you know, the company's need for, you know, my need for hard charging outside salespeople that want to kind of maximize their commission hasn't really changed, but, but that's not something that, that, that person is interested in doing anymore. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I don't know if that, if that was the best example, but, you know, when, when, when the company started, I was just so happy that anyone would agree to work, you know, for Tentcraft, right? Because like we had three people, we had four people and we wanted to eventually manufacture, but we didn't really know how to do it. So we just had to sell and everyone wore a lot of hats. And then as you get a little bigger, you know, you, you need people that are specialists and, you know, the, 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 the salesperson that sometimes helped in shipping that also ran your AdWords account. Um, and, and also sometimes would would prepare trade show collateral. Like we, we needed people in, in more narrowly defined roles. And some people really love you know, that, that startup and 
firefighting all the time and 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 running around and doing a million different things and and so you know it, it doesn't mean that that we were wrong or that they were wrong just that the, the pieces didn't fit together anymore mm-hmm. um so you know and and and, and i don't know david if, if you experienced this but you know i i thought the goal when the company started was zero turnover you know that that you know we're Jesse is going to work here and we're going to grow together and we're going to be on the same page and we're going to do all this cool stuff. And, and, and I have since come to appreciate that, you know, a, a little bit of turnover um, it, it, it is good. There's a natural level of turnover that we need to celebrate because maybe Tentcraft was the job that enabled someone to come back to the area, right? Maybe they were living in Minneapolis or living in Detroit and they wanted to come, come home or wanted to be in Traverse City. Um, mm-hmm. But if they're on the sales team, and I have two good sales team leaders, I have a good VP of sales, and they get an opportunity to be, you know, a sales manager in another company, like we just need to applaud that. And and when that person leaves, then that creates an, an opening for someone else to move up, and it creates positions. And so it, uh, you know, there's just this like healthy level of turnover that uh, that that I, I, it took me a while to get my head around. Yeah, for sure. I can definitely relate to that. And it's it's like more of an, uh, an abundance mindset that you don't necessarily have. I didn't have at first, like when I, you know, you're just like, ah, um, but I had actually some clients who were longtime business owners and they, um, I had somebody who wanted to work for me, but I was concerned about hiring her because I knew that she also wanted to do what I was doing in her own place. And they were like, listen, you have a couple options. You can hire her and have an awesome person who's like really good at it and passionate about this thing so much so that she wants to have her own place someday and she can help you during that time. And then she can go off and do her thing or you can not hire her and not have that great person. And, you know, it just really helped me like put on a, a, a different perspective than I had about like, there's more than enough for, for everyone here and don't have to be so like competitive about the whole thing. Yeah. I, I still frankly struggle with that where, um, we, we, we do have a little bit of local cachet and I, I am proud of our culture and we have cool offices and obviously like, this isn't the only thing, but we have a, you know, this cool twisty slide that goes from the second floor down to the first floor. And we have a bunch of kayaks and snowshoes and stand up paddle boards that are just free employee rentals. Um, it wasn't my idea, but people love it. Um, our HR manager, uh, came up with it because he had spent some time at backcountry.com. Oh, okay. He, he had said, um, and they always, you know, outdoor products company, but they always had a gear locker of just gear that employees could rent. And he said, what if we did that here? And um, especially our manufacturing employees uh, have just really embraced the program. And, you know, I'll, I'll get notes, you know, a few times a year that say, hey, I have driven by this lake for seven years. I've never been stand up paddle boarding. And I went with my wife on a Thursday and it was great. And thank you so much for enabling this. And um, so, so that, 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 that feels pretty good. But, um, you know, we, 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 we just have, I would say, kind of like a, a fun and open collaborative culture, lots, lots of company events, um, daily huddles. So everyone kind of gets to see each other. And um, I, I, I am really proud of that. That's awesome. So, um, okay. So with the manufacturing, I'm, I'm a total noob. I know nothing about manufacturing, but, um, when you first started the company, were they doing that over in Europe and then have, have you now since moved that all to where you're located and you guys are doing it there? David, you're very perceptive. So, um, (laughs) that's exactly what happened. So when, when the company started, we would buy the, the, the frame and the canopy, um, from a European company. So they were manufacturing the frames in Italy 
and the canopies in Poland and now Romania for cheaper labor. And then we would buy big digital decals from my former partner's company. Um, so basically a larger version of like an iron-on t-shirt decal that, you know, heat activates adhesive. And so uh, Verizon was a big customer for many years. Um, you know, if there was a black tent and then there's the white and red Verizon logo, you know, you'd have the black tent and then we would heat transfer using a big heat press, uh, this decal on onto the the tent top but it was uh towards the end of my second year that we, we had about eight hundred thousand dollars in revenue uh but we were spending over a hundred thousand dollars on international air shipping because mm. you would try to guess what color and what size canopies you know the frames we were buying in big containers but uh you know we would look at the history and we would think about it and we'd say you know we never sell yellow 10 by 15 canopies right they're just going to sit there and collect dust because all the yellow 10 by 10s we never sell. And then we'd get an order from an advertising agency for 15 um, honey bunches of oats, yellow tents, and we'd have to airship <laughs> it. Um, you know, it, it's a pain and it would be delayed coming through customs. Then we'd have to have people there all night because these events, I mean, they th th these events are binary. Like if you can get it to them by Friday, June, whatever that is, 10th, like they'll pay you a lot of money for it. Like if it gets there late, they'll pay you zero for it. Right, even right. if you've done all the work for it. So um, I went to my partner. I said, "This business just does not work. Like we have to figure out how to manufacture the canopies." And uh, he had a finishing operation, but they, um, we 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 tried to have his company make the canopies, and they they just looked terrible. It's kind of like the difference between making a paper bag and making like a fitted suit, right? Like you know, if he's set up for high volume, everything's the same, um, and we needed a precision sewing operation. And so we ended up uh, signing an agreement with the Italian company that uh, in exchange for teaching us how to manufacture the canopies, um, we would pay them a royalty for 10 years. And so okay. um, I went over to Poland, um, I hired a sewing consultant, this really cool lady that had never left the US before. Um, and uh, she, she worked for the state of Michigan in their prison system. And so okay. she would help um, different prisons set up prison like job programs and teach them how to sew. So um, a lot of like state police uniforms and um, sometimes some military contract are, are done by prison labor. And so she knew I didn't know a thing about sewing machines or about the equipment or about the cutting. And she knew a lot of it, a lot about it, but didn't know anything about tents. And we went over to Poland, um, you know, her first time out of the US and it, it was fu funny now, but I think about three days before we left, like we paid for her to get a passport and she had to go and you know get her picture, but uh, she completely got cold feet and uh, insisted that she wouldn't leave unless we also brought her daughter, um, Georgie, uh, on the trip with us. And it was kind of blackmail or extortion, one, one of those. <laughs> and, and so you know, we'd agreed on a price and she was going to come. And then we ended up, you know, bringing her daughter, Georgie, um, yeah. around, around Poland uh, and Germany. So. <laughs> Nice. Oh, that's so interesting. That's crazy. Okay. So then you, you were able to <clears throat> bring it all into the States and start doing everything here. Now, do you do a hundred percent all of the stuff now in-house? We, we do. So kind of our, our progression, we, we started manufacturing the canopies. Um, when we started manufacturing the canopies that allowed us to start doing full digital graphics. So instead of just a black tent with a red logo on it, we could do, you know, a camouflage pattern over the whole tent because we would run the whole piece of fabric through the printer before it's cut and sewn. Mm -hmm. um, 
So then we start doing our own printing. We, we were relying on my partner, my, my former partner's company for the printing, and it just didn't really work out. Um, so we started doing our own printing. And then a few years later, the relationship with the Italian company um, just got to be difficult. Um, they, they, they were kind of arrogant Italians, which uh, I realized that by, by me saying that, I probably sound like an ugly American that thinks I know everything. But uh, culturally, Culturally, there are some differences that, that we just weren't able to get past. And so we let that 10-year agreement that, uh, that we signed, um, we, we let that expire. And at that point, um, I looked at it. I'm not an engineer, but you know, it's aluminum extrusion. It's some plastic pieces. It's some, some connecting elements. And I said, man, it's not, you know, we're not putting a man on the moon. Like, we have to be able to figure out how to manufacture these tents in the U.S., and uh, I hired an engineer, and uh, we did figure out how to manufacture the tents in the U.S. So now we we do all our own printing. We have a cut and sew operation, and then we buy aluminum extrusion. We cut it, we machine it, we assemble it, um, and have a fully made in the U.S. product. Mm, it's so cool. It's just like it's so fascinating to me, and and awesome because like so much of today is is digital creations, right? We're we're creating all of these things digitally, which is great and useful too. But it's cool to like. You know, have gone through all these iterations of like physical. Oh, actually, now we got to figure out how to make that, and then that, and then that, and to build this thing that you have now, and have this like company that's running and you know supporting eighty people. It's super cool. Yeah, and 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 I'm I'm bullish on U.S. manufacturing in 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 general, and uh, it was one of the reasons I decided to come back to my company after business school. But I, I, I do think, and and I said this before the pandemic and before all these kind of current supply chain issues, but I just think the model of making everything in a low wage country, uh, the, the past few years have, have shown the limitations of that, you know, where shipping has gotten much more expensive, much more complex, uh, very delayed. Um, you know, e even now you can't depend on things out of China because they're different lockdowns. Shanghai is still incredibly locked down um, due, due to China's COVID policies. And so, you know, if there, I'm, I'm looking for an example, you know, if, if all you need are like 10 million identical scissors or, you know, that, 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 that stuff may not come back. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think products where uh, customization matters or where quality matters or where you need to be uh, quick and responsive to, to customer changes, uh, I, I think that stuff will come back to the U.S., and um, you know, I, I think the key is to to automate what you can automate. You know, so so we used to hand cut things with scissors, um, and now we have these Swiss automatic cut machines, basically CNC cut machines. That you know, you, if it used to take us twenty nine minutes to cut a ten by ten tent, all the different pieces, now it takes two and a half minutes, and it's perfect. And you don't have to have a bunch of a bunch of people cutting, which is boring, which is repetitive. Um, people make mistakes. Now I can have machine operators that make more money, that can solve problems, that can pull things off the machine and then get it to the right cell instead of just doing a boring manual cut process. So I, I think the, the key to US manufacturing is to automate what you can automate and then really do a lot of process work. So be as lean as you can um, on your processes so you're not you know, doing a bunch of crazy stuff that isn't adding value. Mm, yeah. Okay, cool. So um, let's shift gears a little bit. So obviously you're a dad and you run a company. And so I'm curious uh, in, in an effort to, you know, live as high quality of life as possible, what have you found has worked or maybe not worked for you in, um, you know, trying to 
to, to have that balance, the elusive balance, air quotes, um, that we're all trying to find of like having a fulfilling quality of life, spending time with family, running the company, all of that stuff. Yeah. So I'll give you a big positive and then I'll give you something that I'm still working on. Um, so so the, the big positive is hiring people that, that the cliche is like hire people that are smarter than you are. Whether or not they're smarter than I am, they're they're better at doing. Um, I feel like that was kind of a made it kind of an asshole thing to say um, because I've hired people that are very smart. Um, but Brett is my VP of manufacturing. He knows so much more about manufacturing than than, than I do, and I just need to get out of his way. Um, I had a, a, another person in the role um, before Brett, and anytime there was a crisis. I would be right in the middle of it, right? They they would come up and they would say, "Oh my gosh, this happened!" And you know, we're both running around with you know, our hair on fire and trying to figure it out. And uh, and what what Brett does because he has the manufacturing knowledge and he has the systems and he he has built his team is that he'll come to me after the fact. He'll say, "Hey, I, I just wanted to let you know that um you know the the printer failed catastrophically, but." Um, you know, we've got the tech, the tech will be here tomorrow morning. We got the part ordered. Um, we're in good shape. We've already moved jobs around and any salespeople whose job were potentially affected are in the loop and they've already talked to their customer. And, and so when, when, you, when you hire that good team around you, you don't have to be, you know, in the middle of, in the middle of everything. And, and, and the former way that we were operating just didn't scale, just didn't scale. And I, I was working more and I was more stressed. And so, you know, hiring those like, those better people um, for the roles, um, and then the, the 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 piece that I'm still working on is uh, is I know some business owners that like just will, will take off in the middle of the day and go and exercise or watch the kids, and 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 I I still have some like existential guilt um, about leaving, even though. If there are things that happen at night or customer emails, I'll I'll, I'll respond at night, but um. I, I'm not very good at, at at cutting out in the middle of the day and being flexible, especially because I know that I've got people here in the shop working hard, and I don't want them to walk by and see that my office is empty all the time and have them wonder where I am. And and, and I I think I just need, I know I just need to get over that. Um. So what have you have you figured out a a good balance with with your company? Yeah, but I mean I'm. I'm I'm a lot smaller operation than you, so it's a little bit easier. <laughs> um, but it, it's yeah, there's definitely challenges in my 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 first business. There was less, definitely a lot less flexibility than I have now. Um, but but I knew I have created it very very intentionally. Is mm -hmm. is basically what I've done to like allow for for that flexibility where I want it. And then other days are kind of non negotiables. But then there's lots of flexibility outside of that. But yeah, it's always an ongoing process, right? It 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 is ongoing, and all you could do is kind of try some new things, see see how they work or don't work, and then make adjustments, and then try something else. And I I, I just am convinced that we need to keep we need to keep moving forward. You can always go back to you know doing it the way that you used to do it, but our markets are changing, our customers are changing, and and the environment is, is evolving all around us and I need to be willing to, you know, learn and grow and, and evolve myself or we're going to be left, left in the dust. Yeah. And it sounds like you've done a great job of that. I mean, making that pivot during, you know, COVID and having a couple of banner years because of it and having the foresight for that, you know, is really great. Um, so what would you, what would you leave with, uh, 
entrepreneurs, like obviously you've been an entrepreneur for a long time, 15 years, solid chunk of time. What would you, uh, a nugget of wisdom you'd leave with somebody who is maybe, maybe in like the two or three year range, like they're earlier on in that journey. What would you say to them? You know, I, I would give maybe two pieces of, of advice for consideration. Um, the, the first would be um, that, that peer groups are just absolutely critical for support and for continued learning and growing. And uh, so I, I joined a local CEO roundtable, it was called, that was pretty good. But then I joined an organization called Young Presidents Organization, or YPO, that effectively is, is my board of directors. And uh, th these are eight other business owners, and we get together once a month. Um, it Confidentiality for life is our norm. Um, people talk about their family, their personal and their business. People share their numbers. You know, if it's, hey, what, what are you hiring an HR manager with this big a department um, or, you know, very specific scenarios to their business. And then you just get other people's um, insight. Uh, it, it's not original, but I, I heard that, that peer groups make the lonely walk leadership a little bit less lonely. And for, for me, you know, there are things that I can't talk to my wife about either because she doesn't care or she doesn't have the context or she's chasing the kids around or, or you know, do, doing her own thing. Um, I can't always talk to people at my company about it because it affects them, right? I can't say, well, I've been struggling with this issue, um, you know, be, because it's not an unbiased perspective and, 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 it, and it's not necessarily, uh, you know, as confidential as maybe I need things to be. Um, and a lot of my friends, frankly, are, aren't entrepreneurs or aren't running companies. And so to have that peer group uh, has been a game changer for me. And, and we, we, we would be a much smaller organization if it weren't from my YPO group. Uh, and and then, then the other piece of advice is just this idea of, you know, it's the growth mindset, but it's that, you know, leaders are learners, leaders are readers. Um, for me, I live in a small town in Northern Michigan. And so I'm not living in Chicago or in Seattle where there are a hundred cool companies that are making nationwide news and, you know, changing the world. There are a few really cool companies. And so I need to be sure that I'm connected to those, but, you know, there are so many books. Um, this is one I just got, I have no idea if it's good CEO excellence, um, you know, entrepreneurial leadership, like, you know, th th there are just all these great business books um, and podcasts like yours um, and opportunities to learn conferences that uh, that if, if as an entrepreneur, you're not continuing to learn and grow, then, then I, I think you're, you're deficient in kind of one of your primary responsibilities, which is to be, you know, to set the overall direction for your company, which you, you can't do that staring at your own belly button. You need to be out and learning and growing. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. Okay, great. So um, where can people find out more information about you and your company? Uh, you could go to our website, which is tentcraft.com, T-E-N-T-C-R-A-F-T. -E um, or you could look me up, look me up on LinkedIn or send me a message. Uh, you know, it's Matt, B-U-L-L-O-C-H. Uh, I think I'm pretty easy to find. Um, or you can listen to me on David's podcast, which... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm right. looking forward to, 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 which is probably the best spot. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Matt. It was really, really cool to hear your story. And yeah, I just, I just really appreciate it. It's, it's just a, such a fun medium for me, uh, getting to hear what's going on out there with, with everybody and, and like imparting your wisdom for other people and, and for me included. So thank you very much. 
Well, I, I appreciate how seamless you made it. And uh, from the, the, the invitations and the scheduling and the application process and then the videos, I mean, it really, um, it's clear that it's not your first rodeo and it is a cool medium to be able to reach uh, a lot of people. So um, keep, keep doing what you're doing. You're, you're, you're having an impact. Cool. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for listening to Sacrifice to Success podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please check out the link in the show notes and you can find all of the details there. If you got something out of this interview, would you please take a moment to share on social media? You can just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to somebody or post it on the socials. Let's see if we can change the narrative of social media and post valuable, positive content. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and they mean a lot to me. If you'd like to know more, go to my website, davidweavercoach.com, or you can follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Those links are also in the show notes. And I do also have a free training on my website as well. So thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.